Welcome to Wild on Health, your weekly holistic prescription for living healthy naturally. Lifespan, that's simply the time you'll clock on this planet. Healthspan, however, is the time you'll spend living your life in optimal mental and physical health. Join me on Seeking Healthspan, a podcast loaded with sensible recommendations and tips intended to put quality years on your life. Tea's been used for thousands of years to help everything from the common cold, digestive complaints, headaches, owing largely to its impressive antioxidant content, which is also incredible for heart and brain health. The health benefits of tea are wide ranging beyond its medicinal and often used for metabolic regulation, mood enhancement, and improved energy. But it's also the preferred beverage of the blue zones, where those who tend to live beyond 100 years old are revered as centenarians. Published research has shown that drinking tea at least three times a week is linked with a longer and healthier life. My special guest today has spent 40 years as a tea technology consultant. He's processed tea on six continents, and he's one of the most accomplished tea professionals on the planet. Nigel Melikin is also a prolific tea drinker. He's fit, he's still working, and always up for a challenge at the young age of 81. Tea may just very well be his secret to healthspan. Welcome to Seeking Healthspan, Nigel. Thank you, Bryce. All right, sir, let's go back 40 years. Give us this backstory on how you got into the tea manufacturing industry and how this took you around the world. (laughs) Yeah, okay, well, it was just by accident, actually. Um, A lot of people get into tea just by accident. Um, I was working for Unilever Research, Unilever, uh, based in the UK, but I was uh, working all over the world on all sorts of um, product development, food product development, non-food product development, agriculture, that sort of thing. My background, my basic uh, qualification was in botany. So I was with Unilever and um, I came to the end of a, a project and you know, you go back to base and they um, say, well, what's next for me? And they said, well, you know all about plants. Um, there's a problem out in one of the tea estates that we buy from. Um, Lipton is one of uh, Unilever's companies. And um, uh, the tea estate that Lipton was buying from in Papua New Guinea. So I got sent out to Papua New Guinea to solve a problem in the in the tea field. Now I knew about plants, but I didn't know about tea. But uh, they said, "Okay, you you know you 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 know something about it." Then, so I went out there and I took um, an assistant out there with me, and um, we found out that after a little bit of work, that the problem was not in the field at all. The problem was in the factory. Mm. I knew nothing about tea factories i'd never been in a tea factory <laughs> so um i telex back in those days you telex there was no email i telex back and i said um it's not really our you know <laughs> this isn't our, our um bag um shall we come back and they said no you're out there fix it so <laughs> up for the challenge so six months later we had fixed it and we saved the money a uh, company a lot of money and um and I've been in tea ever since. I, I, I fell in love with tea. I, I love the, uh, the way it grows, the, the, the way it's processed. Uh, tea, nothing is added to tea when you process it. All you do is take water out progressively 
and manipulate the conditions. So I love the naturalness of the, uh, of the process. I love the taste of tea. I'd been a, a, a coffee drinker before that, but um, I, I, you know, my mother brought me up on tea and uh, I, I knew about it. But um, I, I really did fall in love with tea. And now I guess I drink mm, six or seven mugs of tea a day. <laughs> well, that's a that's a happy coincidence and a happy accident, isn't it? I mean, that backstory and, and this is taking you all around the world. I mean, this went beyond Papua New Guinea and the uh, and, and the work that you did with Unilever and Lipton, didn't it? Sure, I did. Um, I, I spent 10 years with Unilever as a tea troubleshooter. Um, on their tea estates around the world in um, in Kenya, Malawi, Tanzania, India, um, all, all all over, and um, I so I travelled a lot, and then I uh, decided it was time to go out on my own and become a consultant in my own right. So I started my company Teacraft thirty years ago, uh, thirty one years ago. And um, since then, I, well, including the Unilever work, I've worked in 31 different tea countries around the world. Um, <laughs> I've clocked up a few air miles. I would in imagine. Fact, I... <laughs> and the, and the, uh, the, impressive, uh, the impressive work, uh, you know, is visual for those that are joining us today by YouTube, for those that are uh, listening to the podcast. We are looking uh, behind you at what is decades of research and accumulation of literature on, I'm, I'm assuming, different strain species, uh, you know, and, and, and various plants specific to uh, tea culture. Everything you want to know about tea is in these files. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. So what are the health benefits of tea in your mind? I mean, why is it that you drink that many cups a day? What do we know in the literature? It's, um, it's full of, uh, well, all plants are full of phytochemicals. Um, some of those phytochemicals are uh, good for you, some are less so, some make no difference at all. Um, but uh, the phytochemicals that tea is strong in, really strong in, are polyphenols. And um, polyphenols are um, all, uh, they all have high antioxidant capacity. And um, not, only, not only do they do you good, but the, uh, the polyphenols in tea, the catechins, flavanols, um, actually taste pretty good. So we've learned to manipulate those um, polyphenols, which come in the, in the green leaf as catechins. We've learned to oxidize them and manipulate them to make the taste even better. So that's well, let's how talk we about that. Let's talk about that in simplest terms, you know, uh, from from farm to finish. How is it that tea is manufactured? You alluded to the idea that it's quite a simple process, but it can't be that simple if it takes, uh, you know, so much uh, understanding of the plants, the species, the the way in which they're harvested and, of course, brought to the manufacturing plant. You know, they're cultivated and then they're ground up, I assume. But but give us a top line on, on what that looks like. Um, uh, what you do is pluck the tea, but it's got to be plucked at the right stage and you've got to pluck it at the right age. So it's no good plucking it too old because the phytochemicals have gone over, they've uh, dissipated. But in the growing tip, they're, they're really concentrated. So the, the closer you are to the, the tip, the bud, the 
higher the concentration of the phytochemicals and in also in the better the ratio between some of the really good ones and some of the less active ones. So we pluck at the optimum stage and we brush it to the factory. It's got to be at the factory within two hours because um, heat and light can um, degrade the, uh, the, the good chemicals. So we rush it to the factory and we then um, put it on what are called withering beds where we put cool air through it and we let it sit there for about 16 hours. And during that time, there are all sorts of biochemical changes that take place. And we've learned the, uh, the right conditions to give it to maximize the, the, the phytochemicals and the development of aroma because not only is it good for is tea good for you in terms of uh, medical terms, it's good for you in terms of pleasure. Sure. Um, and that is very, very you know, people, people say, you know, what's the best tea in the world? And I say, really, the best tea is the one you like best. Um, and that's the one where the, you know, the, the, the pleasure angle really is suits your psychology. Um, but underlying that, of course, the, uh, the, the, the good phytochemicals um, are the ones which are doing good for your health. Sure. How's you, tea, how, there's no way of really telling you know, what they are without, um, without backing that up with medical research. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the clinical research, uh, the laboratory research, um, you know, the human, uh, research, whether it's uh, epidemiological or it's, um, you know, in vitro, uh, is pretty extensive and it's pretty impressive. Um, you know, as I alluded to at the top, even, you know, some of the research around drinking tea a few times a week, uh, adding potentially years, not just years, but quality years on your life. Let me ask you this, though. I mean, you've been in the industry so long. How has uh, tea manufacturing, uh, the industry itself, changed over the decades? Ah, <laughs> well, originally it was all done by hand. Um, so up to uh, the mid-19th century, tea was handmade. So we tea has been drunk for 5,000 years. So for, you know, 99.99% of that time, it was all made by hand. But um, when the, uh, the, the tea was in, um, the old story about, um, about uh, Robert Fortune bringing tea across from um, China to, um, to Assam and the British um, started the tea industry in, in Assam, that's when it became uh, mechanized. And all the machinery, um, even the machinery that we still use today was really most of it was invented by actually Scottish engineers who were out in the tea, tea factories and they looked at ways of automating it and just as um, just as Ford um, automated the tea the, uh, the the auto industry then uh, the Scottish engineers automated the tea industry but they turned, you know, for instance, uh, tea was rolled by hand. It was rolled between hands like that. And the machines now which do it are six foot wide, but they just, they've got that same rolling action. They're called rolling tables. So, you know, it, it's, 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 again, you know, the, the machinery used is 
very gentle in terms of um, of how it works and how its um, how its physical effect on the leaf is uh, is a gentle one. It's not a harsh process. It's no chemicals were involved, and you know you're not subjected to the high temperature or high pressure that you do with instant coffee, for instance. It's um, right. a natural process. That, that's really interesting to me because it's almost as if you're describing a process by which mass uh, you know, engineering is helping to um, produce tea at scale, but almost as if uh, it's, it's trying to emulate the human touch. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So what are some of the current challenges uh, in tea growing? And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of things like climate change to pesticide use, especially when we're talking about this level of scale. Mm-hmm. Well, the, um, there are a lot of teas grown organically now, um, which um, has reduced the uh, usage of pesticides. But really, tea has never been heavily um, has never had a heavy pesticide use, mainly because it works. It's grown in um, pretty um, you know, countries which are pretty poor, and the producers don't don't have the money to to um, put in the sort of level of pesticides that um, is done in the Western world. So um, pesticides have not been a, a real problem, um, but now with organic tea, it's you know considerably less of a problem than it, than it ever was. Right. Um, so. Um, uh, what was your other question, Bryce? Yeah, no, that, that was it. Really, just the potential climate change. You know, um, mm-hmm, the various mm-hmm. landscapes from which I suppose tea was originally grown, and now it has to be, you know, as I've come to learn, anyways, over the years, um, you know, cultivated in more controlled uh, climates, and you know, it's it's moved around the world, yeah. as, as far as I understand. We have. Um, it is a tropical crop, um, and um, when it was growing wild, um, long, long ago. But we've learned to cultivate it, or the Chinese learned uh, over 2,000 years to cultivate it and to bring it out from its tropical, um, its, its, its home and, yeah. and select plants which did better under more temperate conditions. And um, we have modified the, the crop We've, by breeding, by selection, and we've modified the conditions that we grow it under, and we've learned how to give it the the conditions it wants under in countries where it wouldn't have been so happy before. So right. much so that we're, we're now growing tea in, in America. Um, no one would ever have thought, well, a few people did think in the 19th century of growing tea in America, and it didn't work very well at all. But now we can... Uh, you know, we can make some very, very good, very high quality gold medal winning teas in America. Um, some growing in Mississippi, some growing in uh, Louisiana, um, and some up in, uh, right up in the, um, the, uh, the uh, Pacific North Coast. Interesting. So now t- tea is understood as many things, but traditional tea, tea um, as you will appreciate, appreciate, but for the folks uh, tuning in, is, is made from the Camellia sinensis plant. So whether it's black, green, white, or oolong, that's tea, but all other tea is herbal or, or brewed as a tisan. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. It is, yes. So I understand herbal tea is probably the fastest growing sector. Would, would that also be something you'd agree to? 
Yeah, I believe the market figures support that. And so this would be everything from, you know, uh, peppermint through to chamomile, uh, through to anything other than the Camellia sinensis plant, these herbal teas that potentially confer uh, health benefit. Um, here's my next question to you, though. How is it that you brew the perfect pot of tea? And, and does the type of water and how you boil it matter? Uh, and potentially what determines, you know, the length of steeping, et cetera. Because, I mean, being a tea connoisseur as you are, this is akin to being, you know, a wine sommelier, is it not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, well, water is incredibly important, both for um, for the camellia, sinensis tea, and, and for herbal tea. 99% um, of the cup of tea that you drink is water. Um, so it's only one percent of the of the solids in that cup have come from out of your tea. So the tea is important, and it, the, the, no, sorry, the water is important. It, it's the hardness of the water, the minerals in the water, um, any treatment the water has had. If it's got chlorine in it, um, it, it de degrades the uh, the taste. So. We, uh, we have to be very careful about the, uh, the water we use if we want to brew the perfect cup. Right. I'll tell you, I, 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 use, I, uh, I use reverse osmosis and uh, I only use my cast iron uh, pot, uh, uh, stove top. I'm not sure if I'm doing that right or anything that, you know, that might be corrected for that. Well, for the real connoisseur, <laughs> Yes, you would certainly um, use a system which um, strips out all the um, all the uh, problem minerals, iron and, um, and calcium and magnesium, sodium, all make bad tea. So you'd like to strip them out, but there has to be a certain level of um, of minerals. So if you're using osmos uh, reverse osmosis, you should add back um, a, a measured amount. A small measured amount of, uh, of um, calcium and magnesium. I'm doing it wrong. So, what would you suggest then? What would be the ideal water source if that if that's something the average person can get a hold of? Well, strangely enough, it's some of the very cheap um, bottled waters are very good. Huh? Um, <laughs> because you pay a high prices for the mineralization. So if you're, if you're gonna buy some of the very expensive French ones, for instance, they're full of minerals. And they're very good as water, but they're pretty bad for making tea. Whereas um, some of the real cheapos from the supermarket um, haven't got that high level of mineralization and they, they make much better tea. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Well, I'm going to start to change my habits in that regard. You know, I've been, I've been recently doing some some research quite deep into the super fruit, graviola. Um, this is an amazing exotic tropical fruit that I've had uh, while on vacation in the islands. You know, it tastes like a marriage of apple and pineapple with this sort of consistency of banana. But where the fruit has some wonderful health benefits, it turns out so does the leaf. And this is where I came to learn about you and your latest focus, Graviola tea. I'd love for you to tell us all about this project and this innovative farming technique you're now using uh, to source the tea leaves, I believe, from uh, Belize. Yes, that's right. Um, the, um, 
I was um, I was contacted by um, a colleague in America, and he'd been asked to uh, do some work on graviola tea. Um, but they were the client was asking him to um, you know questions about growing it and processing it, which he didn't you know it wasn't his area. So um, he contacted me. Uh, we worked together for some time, and um, so I I um, got involved in. Um, the, the processing side. Now, no, uh, graviola tea has been made in the past and it's been made in a very artisanal way, um, uh, agricultural way. People pluck leaves off the bushes and put them out into the sun to dry. And then they have um, ground them up, um, put them with hot water and drunk them. And they found benefits from the phytochemicals in the graviola leaf. Um, but um, the client TKO um, wanted uh, to have a much um, higher quality um, product, um, a consistent product than, than just drying them in the field will produce. Sure. Um, and it has to be safe and hygienic as well. And certainly, fuel dried uh, materials not at all safe so it has to be to us um, factory standards fda standards so i came in and uh, devised a process uh, for um, this um, this graviola tea and um, it's gone quite well it's gone it's, <laughs> it's gone extremely well in fact well that's wonderful um, the fruit itself is loaded with vitamin c and a whole host of other nutrients like quercetin luteolin uh, polyphenols that you referred to a little earlier on of course which function as these antioxidants uh, that you also described it's seems to be what demonstrating uh, you know these anti-inflammatory potentially even antiviral antimicrobial activity but what what are the known health benefits of graviola tea as opposed to those that we were describing uh, a bit ago uh, specific to the camellia sinensis plant mm -hmm. well if you ask um, a polyphenol chemist chemist they'll tell you there's something like ten thousand different polyphenols which um, across the uh, the plant kingdom, um, Camellia sinensis tea has a certain set of these, but it certainly doesn't have the whole ten thousand. And each of the different herbals um, will have some of them will have uh, polyphenols in common, and some will have their own specific polyphenols that that the species alone has. Graviola has its own set of um, polyphenols and other phytochemicals, and it therefore has some of its own benefits, uh, health benefits. Now, my, my forte is not in uh, the medical effects of the uh, polyphenols. What I know is that um, the polyphenols in, um, in graviola um, are ones which are beneficial for health. There are, there are a lot of the flavanol polyphenols, there's a quercetin and um, chlorogenic acid. Um, some of the, I mean, chlorogenic acid, for instance, you get in, um, you get in coffee, um, mm -hmm. but um, not so much in tea. Uh, you also get it in, um, in um, Huayusa, with, which is another, um, herbal um, uh, beverage, um, which I've worked on for um, uh, 
well-known company in America who harvest and process it in, um, in, in Ecuador. So there are, we can look at each of these different um, beverages and find a different set of chemicals. So um, it is up to the, um, it's certainly up to the, uh, the, uh, the, medic, the medics to find out what is, what, what are health benefits for each sure. of those. Well, and I'll tell you, I've been in uh, clinical practice uh, for more than 20 years now, uh, specifically looking at ingredients found in nature, um, some of which include tea. Um, I, I'm very impressed by, uh, you know, the uh, actives such as the EGCG, catechins, of course, uh, epigallocatechin gallate, and uh, theanine. I think theanine has incredible health conferring benefits. Uh, you know, uh, everything from, you know, helping one maybe achieve a little bit more of an alpha wave state, which is a sense of relaxed focus, attention and alertness. I love to, um, to use, you know, medicinal therapeutic levels, which probably a little challenging to, you know, drink yourself to, to some of these levels when we're talking about things like, you know, prostate health, um, cardiovascular or heart health, uh, but, but I, I love to get these ingredients as much as I can or recommend them to my patients uh, from natural sources. And I mean, and I'm, and I'm enjoying a cup of this graviola tea right now for those of us, uh, you know, who are uh, only joining the podcast. Um, I, I, and I got to say, and I'm assuming this has basically had your direction, your proverbial hands on the manufacturing of this. This is the Agravite uh, end product. Mm -hmm. And it is a, an incredible, gorgeous flavor. Um, if I were blindfolded, I would almost, you know, suggest that it's a little more of an aromatic uh, or aromatic, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, fruit ish types of flavors added to a green tea, but, but it's, but it's amazing. The profile is, is delicious. Um, folks can get this, uh, online at, uh, agravite.com, A G R A V I T A E. Um, but, but, but tell us a little bit about what went into the manufacturing of this uh, consumer facing product. Um, we started off um, with the idea that it might work like tea, um, so it, which would be an advantage because then you could just buy tea processing equipment and run it through and, uh, and it would come out the end and uh, it would be an easy, but it turned out to be not quite so easy as that. <laughs> Um, it, um, it doesn't wither like tea. Um, it, um, it doesn't oxidize like tea. Um, it's got slightly different, um, it's, we still haven't actually worked out, you know, all the, uh, all the scientific details about it. So it's a lot of the processing has been done by, um, seat of the pants, hmm. um, in terms of, um, working out a process. Which is exactly what happened with with tea. You know, people um, developed the tea process um, hundreds of years ago without knowing the the science of the chemistry behind it. So it, it was trial and error. So we started off with the graviola, not, and very little science has been done on the graviola. So um, we started out with you know not much knowledge, but a lot of enthusiasm, which yeah, it's a great. A great thing to do, and um, we, by trial and error, we worked out a process, and um, and the tea you're drinking there is the result of that process. 
And yes, I agree. It's a very nice taste. It's um, it's not like it's got nuances of uh, of tea, but it's not like tea. It's got nuances of wayusa, but it's not like wayusa. It's um, it, it's um, it's a great a standalone beverage, I think. I would agree, you know, and I, and I would encourage folks to learn more about it and and give it a try because it's uh, it's now a part of my uh, daily routine. Uh, from the literature that I've reviewed, as you uh, attest to, it's not yet, uh, you know, uh, fully scientifically validated uh, to the degree, I believe, um, you know, that uh, Camellia sinensis has been. But, you know, it's 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 exciting to see that, uh, you know, there are some of, of these benefits that include, you know, promoting healthy digestion, uh, maybe even preventing uh, irregularity uh, of, of, of uh, bowel movements, so preventing constipation, fighting inflammation, um, you know, improving heart health, um, you know, and maybe even boosting the ability to fight bacteria and, and even in, improve sleep. It's interesting what uh, the Agrovitae, um, you know, the, the, the conglomerate, the company has, has done. There's a whole extension uh, you know, specific to the theme and topic of the podcast of, of you know, longevity and health span, uh, they've come up with uh, graviola uh, espresso bars, these latte bars, which are not really chocolate bars. Uh, these are bars that are infused with the with the tea itself and even a topical line uh, of, of uh, anti-aging or, or let's call it healthy aging uh, topicals, which I find very interesting, of course, more than just the agrovitae uh, plant extracts in there. Um, for some time now, not too long, there has been um, graviola supplements on the market. I'm holding up a bottle right now, um, you know, so that folks can actually take this in capsular form. I, I still prefer, obviously, getting it as naturally as possible through so through the tea, uh, the tea process itself. Enjoying a few uh, cups of those a day, and again, I encourage folks to to check out. Uh, the Agrovitae uh, website, agrovitae.com. Besides drinking tea, sir, what, what what's the one thing that you swear by that will help you live a longer life in excellent health? <laughs> uh, keep working, I think. Um, <laughs> when, I, when I reached the, uh, the age of 65, which was uh, a long time ago, um, my wife said, uh, are you going to give up work? And I said, no, not a chance. I, I've seen people retire at 65 and go off and play golf and, uh, and keel over two years later and, and just waste away because they've, you know, they haven't got any work to do. So I, I've, um, I've uh, kept working and um, I have no plans for retiring whatsoever. All, while there's tea out there to work on, I should be working on it. And uh, all the while I can uh, get on an airplane and go out to a tea country, I'll be out there. Um, and, you know, I, I think people need to... People are worried about stress, um, and rightly so. Um, you know, uh, Bryce, I used to, when I worked for Unilever, and that's a stressful thing to do, um, I used to suffer from psoriasis. And um, I noticed that every time I went away from the laboratory overseas, it got better. And I, I said to the company doctor, you know, why do you think that is? And they said, well, it's the sunshine or it's the salt water when I was working in areas with close by the sea and uh, i found out when i left them 
I realized when I left them, it was nothing to do with um, <laughs> with um, with salt water or sun. It was to do with stress. Mm-hmm. And um, but I thrive on challenge. I thrive on problems. But when I started my own company, I realized that there's there's the, the that when you're when you're in control of your problems, you are not stressed, even though they're the same problems. If they're being imposed upon you, um, then is that may be stressful. Yeah, sure. I mean, some people might thrive in it. Personally, I don't. I, if I'm in control, then no problem. But um, if someone else is imposing the answer on me, uh, I'm not uh, happy at all. So uh, I live a, a life full of challenge, but free of stress. Well, you know, that makes so much sense to me. Um, and as we wind down here, uh, almost out of time, there's two things I think I really take away from uh, that, that, that last comment, powerful things. First, um, and we revere this in, in sort of science as a hormetic effect. Um, that is to say, too little of something probably doesn't have much of an effect. Too much is obviously, in some instances, deadly. And when we talk about stress and this bell curve of uh, stress, too little, ah, get lazy maybe, and it's not really stimulating too much, of course, you know, leads probably the North America's number one silent killer leading to disease, whatever you're predisposed to, as you mentioned in your case, psoriasis and others, it could be heart disease or the big C, even cancer. Um, so managing that versus uh, trying to cope with it. And I believe some of the virtues, in fact, of tea drinking perhaps do that for us. I mentioned earlier, theanine, I think you agreed uh, with me wholeheartedly. Completely, yeah. And, and, you know, and, the, and then the second thing, uh, you know, Okinawans, uh, you know, that live off uh, the shore of Japan, uh, this Japanese culture reveres, uh, you know, very high regard what they refer to as ikigai or uh, sense of purpose in life. And when you find it and you acknowledge it and you thrive on it, why would you ever get rid of that? And in, in this case, your ikigai is the work you do with tea. And I commend you on that. And, uh, and I believe that uh, you nailed it. Um, ma- you know, maintaining your ikigai uh, and, and never letting it go is probably the number one thing that's going to add healthy years to your life. I, I really appreciate you. Um, you know, for more information, everyone, about Nigel, you can visit teacraft.com. Uh, or follow him on tw- Twitter, uh, at TCraftCM. And for more information on Agravite uh, Project, you can check out agravite.com. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on Wild on Health, Seeking Health, Ben. Thank you very much, Bryce. It was a pleasure. A- Thank you.